Well, I am very soon going to be up here every service leading worship. Russ and I are kind of switching off right now. I'm trying to, uh, you know, tie, uh, I guess you could say slowly but surely get out of the uh, Kingdom Kids ministry and to turn that over. And I think that we're nearing that process very soon. And pretty soon um, I will be the, I guess, official worship pastor of our church. So as that, during... during <laughs> Russ is doing a good job, folks. He does, he does well. <laughs> okay. All right. My point is, um, there, the, the reason why I say that is because during Vision Month, all of the pastors come up and give their vision. Well, today's vision is not going to be about the children. Uh, today's vision is going to be about worship and what we're trying to do with our worship ministry. Um, let me ask you this question. Oh, it's Vision Month. There we go. Okay. How shall we worship? There's my question. And that's our whole idea this morning of what are we trying to do here when we say, well, I'm going to worship today. I hope you term what going to church as going to worship. Um, I think that you have to understand that, yes, the church is the people, but I hope when you more, are more, I guess, precise with what you're doing on Sunday morning, I hope you tell people, well, that's the time I worship. Because that's what we're trying to do. How shall we worship? Well, I want to take your your minds and your thoughts to our text this morning. Psalm 9. Psalm 9 is a song that David wrote. Now, I'm a history teacher in school, and so I like to know the history of things. And I look at the titles, the little small print above many psalms to see what, what time it was. And a lot of times, the little writing that's above the psalm or right underneath the, the number of the psalm will tell you what event took place around the time that this song was written. Well, this one is to the chief musician upon Muth Laban, a psalm of David. Now, what's, what is this Muth Laban all about? I don't know if your Bible has that. Mine does. Well, from what I understood in studying this out, most people come together with thinking this is the only time this word is mentioned in all of the Bible, this, 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 this uh, term here. And it has to do what many people think uh, with is the death of Laban, Muth Laban, the death of Laban. You say, who is Laban? Well, remember, this is the guy, the fool. Remember the fool? And he had risen up against David. And David is going to get victory over him. And I think that's probably what this is about. We're talking about a time of victory that David is going through at this time. Now, let's talk about what he says, though, because that's what I want to get to. And that's why I chose our text, Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2. And here we have the verse. Think, oh, good, it's going to be there. I have this little clicker thing, and it's supposed to work. And if you aren't paying attention, I'll use the laser, and we'll, it's pointing at you, and uh, we'll really single you out. All right, good. It's a little toy I can use today. How exciting. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I have to try not to get distracted. My whole message is about not being distracted. All right. Here's what the Bible says. I will praise thee, O Lord, and I want everybody to say these next words. With my whole heart. Now, what does that look like? 
And what's that all about? He continues, I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. Some great verses, some some great beginnings of a song that David is writing here. If you were to ask me what I hope we can continue do, to do at Meriden Hills Baptist Church in our worship services, it's pretty simple. We want to lift up the name of Christ. That's why we come here. And that's why our church is very careful to only highlight certain days in our schedule because we don't even want to take the days that are maybe on the normal church calendar and maybe distract people and take their minds off of what Christ is doing. Obviously, some of those Sundays have great significance, and we don't downplay those. We're all for the sanctity of life. And if you are aware of what goes on, I think it's around either last Sunday or this Sunday. It's Sanctity of Life Sunday. We believe in the sanctity of life. We support organizations that believe in the sanctity of life. We're all for that. But we try to make our services about Christ, all about Christ, because he's the only one worth it. Without him, we wouldn't be the church. Without him, we wouldn't be uh, born again. Without him, we'd have no hope of heaven. Without him, we'd be miserable. And so that's why we make a big deal about Christ. And so how shall we worship? The answer to the question is this. With our whole heart. With our whole heart. It is a very difficult thing to put your whole heart on something. Your whole attention, your whole existence on something. We are so distracted. And some people are lifted up for their distraction. We call them multitaskers. Right? Well, I'm not distracted. I'm multitasking. <laughs> right? You ever say that to your spouse when they're trying to get your attention and you're like buried in your phone? I'm not, I'm not multitasking. Here's the reality. We, are, we have our split attention most of the time. Most of the time we have our attention on two, three, four, five, six, seven things. I mean, you wonder how many things go through the minds of the people of God at church. And if there was some type of way to display, you know, all the different things in bullet form above your head to know exactly all the things you're talking about, and maybe you'll have, because you have little check boxes, you know, you want to check them off. Okay, can you imagine what would be going through our heads right now? And if I didn't say that, probably you'd be like, I was thinking about Christ. Now I'm thinking about all those things that you're mentioning would be above my head. We are so distracted sometimes when we shouldn't be. You know, back in the Old Testament times when they came to the reading of God's word, they would stand up and they would stay standing until it was all done. In a way, I thought, thought, think that was because they want them to pay attention to just the word of God. I'm not saying sitting down while the Bible is being read is a bad thing. I'm not saying sitting down during worship is not a bad thing. I'm just saying Can you sit down? Can you be comfortable and worship with all your heart? That's what we're looking for. Sometimes when we're here just out of obligation, when we're here just because we're assigned something, when we're here just because, you know, somebody that, you know, we care about wants us to be here, that itself can be a distraction because your motive for being here might not be the best. But just because you come with an impure motive to church doesn't mean you have to stay there. 
And my hope is that while you get to uh, talk with God's people, while you get to pray in your seat, while you get to sing songs that focus our hearts on Christ, that you start to let God, let Christ have more and more of your hearts. But you know where it really, really starts to work is when you come to church already wholeheartedly worshiping. You get your worship jam on in the car or something. Okay. Belt it out. Doesn't matter. Isn't that great? Singing in the car is great because no matter what you sound like, who cares? You sound great. <laughs> After all, it keeps the field mice out of your car. Like, we're out of here, man. That is not happening. Listen, we have a responsibility as children of God to keep our hearts in tune with Christ. After all, he is the best part of us. But I fear that so many people have such a lackluster relationship with Christ Monday through Saturday that they're almost like, I got to turn it on now because I'm going to church. I got to, you know, say hello to God now. It's like visiting a loved one in the nursing home. You don't think about them all week, and then you have to think about them to go to them that one day a week you visit them. That's how some people treat Christ. And that's not God's desire. By the way, that's not God's desire for you to treat your family like that either. Here's the point. We get so caught up in the method of worship. We get so caught up in other things that are part of worship when the very important part of worship is right here. It's our heart. And if your heart is not set up for worship, if your heart is not totally into Christ and his preeminence, his majesty, his authority. If it's not there, then you're not coming with a whole heart of worship. Let's talk about the motive. The motive of wholehearted worship. What does that look like? Well, the motive, letter A, begins like this. God is worthy of our worship. When I say God, I mean God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all worthy of worship. Now, why do I say this? This seems like the most obvious thing ever, that God is worthy of our worship. I'll tell you why I have this up there, because a lot of times, although God is worthy of our worship, you know who we worship mostly? Ourselves. I mean... I'm all for looking nice and looking your best, but some people, they take it to the next level. I mean, their physical appearance is who they are, and their identity is in their physical appearance. And that's somebody that's worshiping themselves. Oh, we can pick on those that stand in front of the mirror, you know, an ordinary amount of time throughout the morning. Oh, you know, the, the Louis XIV of the world. You know, it took like six groups of people to get that guy ready. Louis XIV, amazing. If, it, it, that's when you know it's way over the top. Not six people, six groups of people. Crazy. But that's somebody who's worshiping themselves. But let's not get all over them because you can do that very subtly too, can't you? You can be all about yourself and all about your desires, all about your dreams, all about your intentions, all about you, all about you, all about you. In God's house, be all about you. You can be standing there singing a worship song and be thinking, are people watching me? Are people hearing me? Are people looking at me? 
whether your voice is good or not. Distracted, because sometimes we just can't help it. We become so self-focused that our worship is on ourselves, and wholehearted worship is removing self from the equation. You cannot have worship on you and worship on God at the same time. It doesn't work. God just steps back and says, okay, well, I mean, I'll wait till you're ready. And some of you think, why don't I feel like I'm having a worshipful experience? It's not God's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not the musician's fault. It's not the singer's fault. It's not the lighting. It's not the instruments. It's not the atmosphere. It's not the technology, whether it works or doesn't work. That's not the problem. The problem is right here. Because you can worship anywhere with any type of thing. And that's what God wants. Sunday should just be a culmination of what you've been doing for worship all week long. You should be like bubbling over on Sunday and be like, man, I got to just, you know, keep on rising my, my, the swelling of joy and of love to Christ and of allegiance to Christ and surrender to Christ. And when I come on Sunday, man, it just explodes. Now, what if we did that at our services? By the way, that doesn't have to take, take place in a loud manner. It could be the quietest thing ever. But inside your heart, man, God's got all of you because you, uh, you, you have all him. Well, wholehearted worship is where worship is, is of self is removed. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. You know why some people can't worship? It's because in their heart is something that happened in the past that they can't get over. You ever hear this phrase? God has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. Oh, how sad. Like your system of justice is higher than God's system of righteousness. Like your self-righteousness is so large that even God who says, no, child, I forgive you. I want to restore you. I want to, you know, make you new like Peter 2.0. I want to get you going again and get you on the right path. We say, no, I can't. I won't forgive myself. That kind of is a very selfish way to think. And that's why some people can't worship like they need to worship. That's focusing on self. Whether it's focusing on self in a way that lifts up yourself or it's focusing on self where you're actually upset with yourself, where you're loathing on yourself, where you can't get over something yourself did. That's focus on self, and you've got to remove that if you want to worship, wholeheartedly at least. I'm not saying that you can't worship at all. There are many people in the Bible that, you know, joined in with somebody who was wholeheartedly worshiping. There are many people that got, you know, the swell and the experience. I mean, there are many people that kind of were, were in the moment. But after, you know, what's, what's the key? What is, the, what is probably the indicator of whether you have a heart full of worship? It's when you truly are wholeheartedly worshiping. It doesn't just go away when, you know, 12-15 comes around. It's not like, okay, that time of my day is done. What's next? Like, now we can move on. We did that worship thing. Worship is not a thing. 
It's a heart attitude. And you don't need just a worship team to help you worship. You don't need music. You can do that a lot of different ways. We'll talk about that in a moment because let's talk about the method of worship. Wholehearted worship looks like, oh, before we go there, oh, by the way, wholehearted worship, in case you're all about what physically worship looks like, wholehearted worship, if you look at it in the Bible, looks less like this and a lot more, a lot more like this. Because people that really got a hold of God and their whole heart was worshiping, they weren't standing up. They were bowing down. Their face was to the ground. You look at Isaiah when he, as a prophet of Israel, a, the one who was declaring God's word, he has already started his prophet ministry and he gets a view of God. And he just collapses and says, woe is me, for I am undone. And I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And he eventually says, you know, here am I, send me. As he is already a prophet, he didn't have a view of God like he needed to. That's my point. Worship is a lot more about surrender. And by the way, that's what we talk about when we talk about you need to you know, get, your, get your worship off yourself because it takes a surrendering. Your default of your heart is to worship yourself. You need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to consciously surrender the worship that I have to itself. It's over. It's gone. And I'm going to worship God and him alone. And that's what we need. Let's talk about the methods of worship because there are methods. We know that music, we know that music is a powerful method of worship to God. We don't just do music services and put the music in there because it just seems like that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, goodness, every church that's biblical has a piano. Every church that's biblical has a guitar. Every church that's down the line we go of all the musician, you know, instruments. Forget that. You know, worship is a heart attitude. So the only thing you need to have a worship experience is your heart and God. Well, he's always there. So are you there? That's all you need for worship. But there are other methods for worship. Music, very powerful m- method of music. Um, very powerful method of worship, excuse me. We know this because Psalm 150, you can't get better than Psalm 150 to tell you all about the musical instruments you can use to worship God with. I'll put it on the screen there. There we go. Psalm 150. Last psalm, last song of the book of Psalm. I'll turn there because the words over there are way too small for me. And maybe the words up here are way too small for you. So in your Bible, Psalm 150. Psalm 150, the Bible is talking about praising the Lord. It's a psalm of praise. Psalm 150, we'll begin reading in verse number 3. Let them pray, verse 3, here we go. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Well, we know what a trumpet is. Psaltery, another instrument. Harp, we kind of know what that is. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. David wasn't a Baptist. Get over it. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. That's the musical instrument organs, not your organs. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with the high sounding cymbals. All these instruments. But I love verse 6. Because who can praise him? Who gets to praise him? Here we go. Let 
Everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So what's required for worship? A heart and breath. You got breath. You, you got life. You can worship. But my voice is horrible. Do you have breath? You can worship. Do a, no, don't do a breath check. <laughs> you know what that is. <laughs> if you have breath, praise him. This became the life verse of my first wife, Abby, as ALS started to take her lungs. And she had just a little bit of breath. But she would claim this verse. <laughs> I got to keep praising God because I still have some breath left. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So what's your excuse? Well, if you don't have breath, then we got to work on that. But if you do... There's no excuse. Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 96. We'll read a few verses here. Psalm 96. It's on the screen. I'm going to read it off the paper. I am going to get my eyes checked on Wednesday. That's super cool. Maybe I'll have glasses next time I preach. I'll look distinguished. Verse 1, oh, sing unto the Lord with a new song. I like that. You know you can make up your own song to God? You ever do that? Just start singing a song about his goodness to you. You can customize it. Talk about all the things he did for you this morning. Talk about how he rescued you from X, Y, Z. Man, that's good stuff. That's, that's a good time of worshiping God when you can personalize it. It doesn't have to be a song from the Bible. Just keep it doctrinal. And God will be pleased. <laughs> Man, I love it. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen. His wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 96. I love it. Music, a very powerful method of worship. But there are other methods. How about meditating on God's word? Giving your time, talent, treasure, all methods of worship. Psalm 96, verse 8 and 9, as we continue in reading. Psalm 96, verse 8 and 9. Give unto the Lord the glory do his name bring an offering and come into his courts oh worship the lord in the beauty of holiness fear before him all the earth i love this phrase in the beauty of holiness it brings about that part of him that is high and lifted up that is set apart from sin that does not know any type of 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 um, decay or any type of, of, you can say, destruction in his own life and being. He is set apart from all that stuff. He is sinless. You can praise him in the beauty of his holiness. The fact that God is 100% righteous, 
The fact that God is 100% holy, I can praise him in that. And by the way, the reason why you can worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness is because when you look at yourself and when you see yourself in the mirror, you are not righteous. You are not altogether. You don't have a sinless life. But you get to step into the presence of one who does. Here's the best part. God says, come on. Come on. Because I want you here. I created you to do this. And you don't have to do it with just song. You can do it with your meditation and reflection on God. And some people say, I have a hard time really being faithful to God's word and reading it like I should. And I wonder sometimes, maybe that's because you're so caught on, you know, the monotony of it and not caught on the worship opportunity of it. The fact that you get to read words of life and you get to let those words of life impact your heart and you can actually say, God, you're speaking this stuff to me right now. And when you look at God's word as words that God is speaking to you, that might change it a little bit. And it might get you off of, I've got to read seven pages a day. Otherwise, I don't feel like I've checked my box. And if that's something you do and in a worshipful way, read seven pages a day. But if you're not doing it that way, and if you are doing it in a way where it's all about your agenda, all about your schedule, maybe step back and say, I just want to read every single word and, 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 and not pretend, but realize that God is speaking to me every single word. This is his word to me today. That might change things. After all, that is how he communicates with us. We talk about giving our time, our talent, all these things that we can offer God. There's a whole litany of things that you can offer. The biggest thing, though, is your heart. Have you offered your heart to him? He wants it. Does he have you? You know, we often get stuck on this treasure thing because a lot of people are worshiping money. We have a lot of people that money is their God and money is a controlling agent. And money does make a lot of decisions for us. So you kind of see why it's a controlling agent. But the reality is money is not your God. Money is not to be worshiped. Money is not to be, you know, set on a pedestal and lifted up. But there are many people who do that. I guess you can say this, money is a stabilizer. But if you're trusting in money for your stability, well, history is not good for you. Because that is very not, that's not very stable. <laughs> but you know who is? God. Meditate on his word. And then here's another thing, letter C. Any element that removes focus from Christ has the potential of being distraction. So we go back to this distracted thought. Um, what is that? I mean, goodness, it can be anything that has the potential of getting your mind off Christ. It can be anything, including good things. It could be anything, including um, a family member that, you know, is... Just there with you. You can get so distracted by that good family member being there that you take your mind off Christ and put it on, on, on them. That's a good thing. You can use it as a distraction. So there's, this is not just bad things that can be used as distractions. I mean, 
Sometimes we get over it, but sometimes the, the uh, children upstairs turn into buffaloes and walk. That might be distracting to you. But really, they're just walking normally like kids. It's just the way they are. And, uh, you know, until we actually don't share um, the same uh, area of the building with them, I mean, that's the way it's going to be. By the way, aren't you glad we have chosen our church that are here to worship? Aren't you glad that those, that rumbling from on high is the sound of life and people up there? And if you really... Let it be distracting. Think it back in the Old Testament times. Just think, hey, it's the thundering of God. You say, yeah, the roof might come down. No, it's not. It's going to be okay. Seriously. Distractions can be anything. Anything. Anything has the potential of keeping your mind off Christ. Work. Family. Agenda. I mean, people use, a lot of people use their phone to read their Bible. I'm okay with that. I do that a lot. But it's, it's, you got to be careful with this because that phone, man, that, that buzzes and all sorts of things. You know, YouTube tells you about the update and, you know, that, that team's scores and this, that, and the other. And this person commented on your fluffy slippers you posted on Facebook this morning. I mean, down the line we go, all these things are popping up on that phone. And it can be distracting. So if you can actually get on God's word and you really want, if you're distracted by that, put it on airplane mode. Get on the passage. Put it on airplane mode and just use that as your Bible. Or you can just do one of these things. This is called a a Bible. It's got things called pages. And that's that's not a Mac app. This is an actual page. Okay. It's very interesting. Okay, I'm not jesting. I'm saying, listen, if your phone's a distraction to you and keeps your mind off Christ, get one of these and come to church with it. If you can look at your phone and not be distracted, use your phone. But anything can become a potential distraction. And that's what we're trying to limit. We want our whole heart. So we're talking about the methods of worship. We're talking about the, the, the back to the M, yes, motive of worship. And then lastly, the ministry of wholehearted worship. Boy, this is great. Oh, here. I forgot about this verse. What a verse. You talk about anything distracting me, casting down imagination and everything that exalteth. There's the word exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Now, that's a prayer you can pray when you're being distracted from worship. Lord, I pray the prayer of 2 Corinthians 10.5. I pray that you help me just get out the distractions and let me put you back on the throne where it should be. Now, the ministry of worship, the ministry of wholehearted worship. Here's one of the greatest things in a corporate worship scenario where why worship in, is so important within a church service because I firmly believe that wholehearted worship will prepare your heart for God's word. Music is very powerful like that. It, it, it has a, just the music itself without the words, it has a agent that is emotionally powerful. That's what music is. I mean, you just go ahead. 
a kid that doesn't understand words. You put a beat beat bop uh, song on and they start going up and down and doing the thing, man, because that's what they, it just does that. It's controlling. They don't even know what they're saying. It doesn't matter because music itself, without the words, can be an agent of control. Music helps us focus our heart where it needs to be also. But music can keep us from focusing our heart where it needs to be in bad ways too. Wholehearted worship can prepare your heart for God's word to change it. And that's what we want, right? I hope you're coming to church not to leave the same. I hope you're coming to church to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I hope you're coming to church because you want to become closer to Christ than you were before you walked in. Well, let me tell you a secret to that. Worship wholeheartedly. Surrender your life. Make it not about you. Make it about him. And don't just stop that when the last note is played by the, the worship team. No, continue that thought so that when God's, the word of God is preached, you can latch onto it and you can apply it and you can say, wow, that was for me, Lord. That was for me. Colossians 3.16 instructs us to let the word of Christ let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another and catch the components. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. We put these synonymously. Word of Christ, impacting hearts. The teaching, admonishing, impacting hearts. And the music going on while this is all going on. Connect them. There's a connection there. And I love this. I love the fact that we can actually have a time in our service that helps us get in a frame of mind and a heart attitude that makes God really big, makes us really small, and just really says, God, I'm here because I need you. God, I'm here because I desire you. God, I'm here because I can't go on with my life until I meet with you today. And that's something that can happen daily, not just on Sunday. Wholehearted worship, that would be God's desire for you. Just like David says, I'm going to worship you and praise you with my whole heart. You have everything. You say, oh, that's David. Yeah, that was David. Yeah, that was David. Seriously, God allows adulterers to worship him with his whole heart? Yep. God allows murderers to worship him with all his heart? Yep. So what's your excuse? There is nothing in your heart that God can't say, I forgive that. I'm going to restore you, and we're going to get over this. So let's move on. Because you can worship with your whole heart. One of the ministries of wholehearted worship finally is wholehearted worship will position you to serve others. When it's all about God and not about you, you know who it also is about? The people he wants you to impact. And this is why coming to church with a heart full of worship is really good because you already have the, 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 the mindset, you already have the heart attitude to help your brothers and sisters in Christ and to minister and to admonish them and to exhort them and to encourage them. You already have that going. 
And this is where it is so important that worship is not about you. Worship is not about an experience. Worship is not about, you know, a time slot. Worship is your heart and God and your breath, if you have it. I love this. Sanctify. Lift God up. 1 Peter 3.15. Lift God up. Sanctify him. Set him apart in your heart. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now this verse is talking about where I'm going. You know we talk about admonishing and encouraging people here at the church house, and that's great. God tells us to do that. But how about having a heart of worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so that people you come in contact with, not at church, in the outside world, can also be ministered by you because you're in connection with God, and God says, I want you to go talk to that person. Okay. I want you to go pray with that person. Okay. I want you to maybe do something for that person that really will bless them. You say, oh, okay. And then you sit back on Sunday and you can just worship God because of how big he is. And you look back to your week and say, wow, God, you're so big. You used me to do things to help people. And it's all about you. Man, that's where we should be. That's where God wants us. And this is why we have a big deal about the worship service here at Meriden Hills Baptist Church. Because we're trying so hard to reach our community for Christ. And we want the outside world to come in here. We want them to see a difference. We want them to see that this is not just humdrum religion. This is not just what we do, why we do it. This is not worship choreography where when we say this phrase, we got to do this. And when we say this phrase, we got to do that. If you've ever been to churches like that, you know what I mean. Their worship service is like a choreography. It's not about that. You know, by the way, you know who's in danger of choreographic worship? People that have been doing it for a long time. Well, I always lift up my hand at this part of the song. So I better do it today. Why? Why? What if you don't lift up your hand and worship God with your heart? I never lift up my hand. Why? Why? Well, that's not how I was raised. Okay. New Englander, I am one too. I was dropped on my head though. So I'm weird. It's okay to lift your hands. The Bible talks about lifting up hands. But it's not a routine. It's not a choreographic movement. It is, it just kind of flows out and kind of works up. <laughs> and if that's happening, you better lift up your hand. Otherwise, you might explode. <laughs> yeah, you know, New England, they're exploding. It's like, poof. Oh, okay. <laughs> Here's the deal. God wants your heart, all of it. All day long, all year long. That's what he wants. Worship is part of that. He wants you to make a big deal of him every single day of your life. And what a life you'll live if you do that. And what a church services will have if you do that. And what a wonderful ministry to others that will, you'll have if you can do that. If you can participate in this thing called wholehearted worship. This year, listen... 
we're trying our best. There's that verse. This year we're trying our best to put together some very special services that allow you to come and to get wholehearted worship going at very strategic times of our year. We're thinking about uh, putting together two special worship services where it's all just worship on Sunday. We've done that before in the past. We're going to continue to do that. We are planning on doing um, a strategic, wholehearted worship service on Good Friday this year, right in that time frame. I know you might be traveling, and that's fine. Those who are here, come, because we want our hearts to focus on the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did for us. That will be on what they call Good Friday. It's a Friday night thing that we'll do that is a worship service, is a wholehearted experience. We have an opportunity during our 4th of July picnic and celebration to have another opportunity for people to get involved, to worship right there on the green and to get involved with praising God with your whole heart right in front of everybody. And so let me say this. If you want to be used by God to worship in front of people, Talk to me. We want people to worship. And if you want to, if you feel God's moving your heart to do that in front of people, come see me. Have a conversation with me. I'd like to talk with you. You say, we don't have a big enough stage for me to be up there. Well, we go to bigger stages sometimes, like the one at the green. That's pretty big. But even if we have to do a rotation of people up here, that's fine. Because people up here in our worship team, they're not just worshiping because they're up here. They'd be worshiping if they were down there. That's the way they are. They worship whether they're up with a mic or not. That's the point. That's what all of us can do. See me. We'd like to do some things that will just help you you know, have a worship with your whole heart experience We want that to happen. We want you to know what that feels like so you can continue it every single day of your life. That's where God wants us. That's where God wants us. Wholehearted. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Lure, if you can come to the piano and play something on the piano, that'd be wonderful.